Welcome to Building a Greener Idaho, your source for insightful conversations with diverse voices at the intersection of people, profit, and planet. Welcome to Building a Greener Idaho here on Radio Boise. I'm your co-host, Charlie Woodruff, and in the studio with me today is uh, Dr. Todd Shallot. Welcome to the show, Todd. A pleasure to be here. Well, we're in week two of our Change in the Valley series, and last week we talked about the big picture of change uh, with Dr. Tony Marker from Boise State and about how people deal with change. And before we look to what's going on in the present and some of the issues that we're going to dive into into the next few shows, we want to have a look back into the past and get your perspective on what that history of Boise is like, and maybe we can uh, take some of those themes as we talk to our, our next guests uh, this, this next uh, month to talk about change in the Valley. So with that, you are, of course, a professor um, at Boise State University. You have written many, many books, um, but most of all, you're a storyteller. So we want to get the story going. Um, take us back to what Boise was like 30 years ago. What was going on in its growth as a city? Let me begin with uh, just a small apology. Uh, I, as a historian, I'm really interested in the future, uh, not so much the past, because historians don't know what happened in the past, um, and especially I don't know because I was here, so it was like watching a clock tick. Um, if you really wanted to compare, uh, you know, Boise past and present, you should really go away for 30 years and just come back and just see and just be shocked. Uh, you'd be walking around this town with amnesia mm-hmm. uh, because it's, uh, the you know so many of the landmarks. Uh, would um, would be gone, but still some things would be familiar. So the reason why I'm interested in you know doing the shows like this and like kind of just retrospectives because uh, you know the city of Boise is very much at a crossroads between you know various different kinds of cities that it will become. It's growing quickly, and by getting sort of a running start on it and kind of seeing where we are, we can see that uh, we have some pretty severe problems that uh, are enduring. And uh, there's, uh, but there's also uh, there's also change. There's also conflicts that bring change. So I guess if I were dividing the city of Boise into like historical eras, um, I would uh, I would say that this era of Boise's growth, Boise's boom, really kind of dates from about 1987 to about 2007, or maybe 1988 to 2008, because in in uh, um, 1988 was the year that uh, Boise Town Square Mall opened, and it was also the year that the Grove Plaza opened downtown. And that was a significant event because the um, the previous era of Boise was a depressed and isolated uh, downtown, very small, uh, maybe 80,000 people or so. And the um, it was a city that was crippled by uh, by a rumor renewal. It uh, was the largest metropolitan area in the nation without a regional mall. And so uh, the attempt to get it here put interests in conflicts that really stymied the city's growth. So Boise became nationally known, nationally ridiculed as a city that committed suicide or the city, or the city that tore down itself as it appeared in, in Harper's Magazine um, in the 1970s because the city in the sort of a frenzy of urban renewal thought they would build a mall downtown, a downtown mall like they had done in other cities. 
like they had done in Fresno and Sacramento and other places. Boise is always looking to California. <laughs> Unfortunately, not San Francisco or San Diego, but Fresno. But nevertheless, um, so the Boiseans then uh, wiped out its downtown, and, was, and there was an economic crisis that was alleviated when suddenly the, ma- the mall laid its foundation there where it is now. Franklin and Cole. And that unleashed a, a decade of pent-up capital of people just trying to figure out where to move, what, what they were going to do, and it unleashed a boom downtown. So part of that was the U.S. Bank Plaza building that went up with the Grove, or did that come after? No, the, the, the New York Plaza, the New York Bank was actually, um, predates that, and it was kind of funny. It was like a finger, you know, uh, you know, sticking into the air, Boise's giant erection. <laughs> you could see it for, like, miles away, you know. You could see it from Winnemucca, it seemed, um, because it was just this large monolith. It was built in an earlier era um, in a downtown that was, abs- that was completely devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, so the U.S. Bank was there. Um, and the um, U.S. Bank um, dates from the um, from the from the seventies, uh, but uh, um, but the rest of downtown wasn't really there, and um, and so it was really just surface parking. And so um, what happened was is that uh, I would say that in the nineteen eighties, late nineteen eighties, about nineteen eighty seven, nineteen eighty eight, Boise, the rocket, you know, blasted off. It, it just was uh, um, an incredible launch. And by 1997, um, one of the booster rockets had come off and the rest of it was, uh, uh, was soaring. And in that period of time, in, the, in Boise's boom era, between in that, in that uh, uh, I guess it would be um, uh, 20 years, between 88 and 2008, um, the, um, when it crashed, of course, in that boom, uh, Boise was transformed in many ways. Uh, it was... Uh, you know, it was blue turfed. It was um, it was <laughs> Californicated. It was it was Portlandian. It was uh, Salt Lake. It was Zion. It was uh, it was all of these different things. It was no longer isolated, but it became a national destination. And when it became a national destination in about 1997, 98, somewhere around there, the population grew past 200,000, about 200,000. And when the population tipped 200,000. Um, a funny thing happened. Boise appeared at on number one of every single silly top ten list about the best place to retire and the best place to open a business and a best and a best place to for millennials. I mean, there were no millennials yet. Yet, um, <laughs> you know, the best place uh, you know for 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 yuppies and the best place for mountain biking and all this stuff, <laughs> which was pure bullshit. And it was just it was a statistic that was generated by the fact that um, all those top ten lists and the statistics that people keep are for cities, meaning defined as two hundred thousand or above. So Boise was the smallest of the so-called cities in the way in which urbanists look at them, two hundred thousand and above. And so it looked from the statistics that Boise had the highest per capita water use in the world, that Boise had the highest incarceration rates in the world, and it was simply because. Um, you know, if uh, you know, if uh, if if 400 people move into you know into CUNA, that's a pretty significant growth rate. It was a small city that came to everybody's um, attention, and 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 a lot of myth and a lot of fiction was written about it. But it but the boom was was based on really basically three different things. Part of the boom was was people coming from Portland bringing that philosophy of a downtown with good bones that would be walkable, where there would be people living downtown. 
would be mixed use. Boise did not have that uh, 30 years ago, and that was made, the Boise that we have now. It had good bones. It was exploited by, um, by, by people who, um, who wanted to live, you know, downtown. The second thing was a um, kind of a, a boom that came from L.A., really. It came from Southern California, and that was an incredible sprawl across the valley. Some of the worst unsustainable, most gas-guzzling, car-dependent um, sprawl in America, certainly in, um, in the Northwest. You can argue whether Phoenix is worse, but it was bad. And, and the sprawl was the suburbs. All this subsidized, unsustainable housing. That, uh, so that's when the economy crashed in 2008. It was mostly a housing economy that crashed. About 55% of the workforce was involved in construction. And um, it was a city that didn't really make anything. It was just kind of a city built on the equity of, um, of real estate um, on the coast. Because by, by then, by 2008, when the crash, Micron and Hewlett-Packard and the major employers had pretty much, uh, they, even though the headquarters remained here in town, um, the, uh, uh, the workforce was, uh, was outsourced. And Boise became, um, um, and Boise transformed, um, it really fell, the economy really fell. It totally, um, the, the rocket launched, there was a certain capsule that orbited around the Earth. Uh, of of gentrified of the gentr of you know of the of the new gentr from California people with equity, but the problem was it was still a very tiny economy, and um, one of the results of that was a um, what we have, which is a service economy, with the highest number of minimum wage workers any place in America, where one out of three people is below the poverty line or can't afford the basic apartment. They're so-called Alice workers. They're uh, asset-limited workers who uh, don't have enough money, according to HUD, um, to have rent, health care, and um, transportation. Uh, it doesn't add up for these people, and it's a, um, a severe problem. So, um, and um, it's really, so in terms of as an economic engine, um, uh, Boise turned out to be really a myth for, um, for most people. It, it really became a service economy, um, and it was a service economy that uh, um, still had a lot of nice features about it. One thing about the service economy that became Boise was it still didn't have that big city hassle because prices were cheap, even though they were um, more expensive than they had been. Prices, uh, uh, let's say housing prices, were, were cheaper. There's other things that were cheaper. Of course, that's not the same. It's the same now. Now, the uh, uh, Boise is one of the fastest uh, rising, most, uh, uh, you know, uh, real estate markets. And um, the people that grew up in this town um, have been priced out of their zip code. Uh, now they're, they're drive, trying to drive in from Meridian or CUNA or Caldwell even. Um, driving, you know, as far west as they can until they qualified. So what we have now is really a stratified economy between, you know, a, um, a gentrified elite and um, the mass groups of the service workers that, um, that uh, can't afford basics housing. Um, and with that comes extremely high incarceration rates, some of the highest um, in America, some of the highest in the world. Um, and it's um, and so it's a um, odd economy of uh, 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 it's becoming a more and more economy of haves and haves nots, um, and it's not just Boise. Boise, in this sense, is reflecting national trends. It's sort of an economy where housing ownership is falling off the cliff. Uh, um, millennials and um, other who don't have access or or um, uh, to the same you know kinds of uh, things in in that respect. And so um, it's a mixed bag. Boise's become a star. 
Uh, Boise's become a destination. Boise's become cool and hip in ways it really was not. I mean, you know, you could shot a cannon down the street in 1987 on, you know, uh, you know, Monday afternoon and not hit anything. <laughs> um, people were driving out to Napa to go to Karcher Mall. You know, uh, tractor pull downtown was like a big cultural event. OK, um, so, um, yeah, it was back in the days when mayonnaise was considered a spice in this town. Um, so Boise's changed culturally um, in a big way. Um, like Portland, and I got a lot of young people have come here to retire. Um, and so there's that sort of like energy. There's energy of people from different countries. One out of 16 of us are um, has been forced across an international border as a refugee. So we have people from, um, you know, from from the Congo and from, uh, you know, Iraq and uh, Bosnia and all these places, which has really changed the, the character of the city. Um, Very so interesting. We, yeah, so we have that. Um, we still have good bones. We still have walkable streets. We still have beautiful weather. We still are a really, really friendly place. Um, but we're still living off the equity that uh, yes, the but, boom was built upon. But what do people do f- to make a living? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. the rub. Yeah. Well, that's a good uh, point for us a break. And I think on segment two, we're going to try to get into the positive aspects of the the cuff the cup is half full right, right. Um, <laughs> um, now that we've gotten the, the reality of what our, our uh, haves and have nots in this uh, little city of ours and, and the fake um, promises of it being the best place to live for all the 20 reasons and all the lists that we make as okay, more of we'll a marketing the, scheme you'll give us the Prozac version yes we'll give you the we'll get into the Prozac version of, of where where things are now and and how we're building on those good bones. Um, so you've been listening to Building on Greener Idaho here on Radio Boise. I'm speaking with Dr. Todd Shallot from Boise State University, and we'll be right back after a few messages. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with Dr. Todd Shallot from Boise State University, a professor of urban studies and community development. And we just got through the first half of the show, which was the reality of Boise's first boom, the first 20 years from 1987 to about 2008. And then we hit the crash. I want to talk a little bit about so some of the good urban planning directions that we've been moving and also those economic factors. Right now, we have tremendous turmoil in the healthcare realm. Uh, People are going to not being able to afford or not having that support in the healthcare realm. Potentially that gap between the haves and the haves nots getting greater. I also want to touch on some of the environmental trends in Boise and, and where we're headed these days. So let's jump into this economic reality right now. We've had some startups happening in the last 10 years or so. Other types of uh, industries uh, making homes here, uh, you know, food manufacturers and things like that, creating some jobs in southern Idaho at least. Tell us side of the service economy that we had in the first 20 years of that boom. Where, what diversity have we built now in the economic realm? 30 years ago, there were family farms. Um, defined by farms less than a thousand acres where people actually made a living. Now there's, if you look at the, the raw data, there's still a lot of farms, but they're, they're suburban tracks and they're hobby farms. But the, most of the production is now done um, w- with larger corporate farms. And so I guess what's happened to Boise and its economy, its service economy, and, um, and the future is really the story can't be extracted from um, what is now global economy. And it's really, and I just, I, you know, to say it, 
you've heard it a million times, um, and it's a it's it's so basic. But maybe just to state it in the most blunt way, globalization and automation. Those are just massive factors that uh, affect agriculture um, and affect the way people work just all over the world. And so um, take healthcare, for example, since you mentioned it. Um, a lot of uh, what people do in healthcare right now is looking to be automated. I know it seems really strange <laughs> you know, that some doctor in, uh, in Denmark is going to do all the gallbladders for you know half of the world or whatever. But you know, I mean, it, it's computers and uh, and um, and automation um, is a um, is just a factor. And so uh, you can look at uh, the advent uh, here in the next couple of years of self-driving cars. And all the you know all the jobs, not just in Boise, but all the jobs that you know depend on drivers. Where there's machines that uh, that can do it uh, really do it better and cheaper, um, and so it's a worldwide phenomenon that comes with the fact that uh, our retailer now is uh, our uh, the the most uh, you know retail our the Boise Town Square Mall, the brick and mortar storefronts are closing, um, yeah. leaving you know the internet uh, you know is is rising in its wake, Amazon and and all the other online shoppers. And so this is a globalized um, economy. And um, in some ways, it breaks Boise iso- uh, Boise's isolation. Mm-hmm. So you can have, like, there are people in this town that work in L.A. Um, I know them, you know, and they're, yeah. like, working in the film industry, and, they're, and they live in Boise, you know, because mm-hmm. they like mm-hmm. Boise, mm-hmm. you know, or their sister lives here or something, you yeah. know. I mean, so there's, there's that, which is really an interesting, you know, phenomenon. Uh, now direct flights have reopened from, uh, uh, fr- from Boise to Chicago, and I'm sure that those will, be lots of uh, um, lots of commuters. Yeah. So there's that uh, sort of uh, economy that uh, that exists here. But um, in education, being you know somebody who's worked thirty years, uh, th- more than thirty years at Boise State, one wonders where that where the people that are in school there where, where they will work. They wonder about it. We wonder about it. it requires a futurist, and I'm not sure where where. Um, where that comes from, but the city of, of Boise has, uh, you know, responded in some clever ways. Let's talk a little bit about the cultural evolution of the city of Boise. Um, you just came out with a book called Half the World. Um, just uh, came out about a month ago yeah. um, to great reviews um, about refugees uh, right. here in the Boise Valley. Tell us a little bit about the process of writing that book and how have the refugee populations integrated? Have we done a good job at integrating that cultural diversity into our, our fabric of our society? Yeah, I mean, it's a really fascinating story because it's one of those stories that gets to the heart. It's a window into Boise and Boise's character and the strange combinations of of things politically that Boise is. Both, you know, very blue, east of Coal Road, very red, west of Coal Road, evangelical, and um, also sort of a a, uh, sort of a progressive element that have all have this found this common ground on the refugee issue. For evangelical, um, the community is like the mission to um, you know to help to come to the aid uh, of people seeking sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole religious tradition. Um, the churches are sort of like uh, the engine of, of that. And then on the um, on the secular side of it, there's been uh, people that have made the moral argument about uh, helping people. People that have uh, economists that look at the boon that that uh, you know immigrant labor and re- labor is to the um, the economy. Um, and and so all of this stuff has come together in a bizarre way that has made Boise sort of like internationally famous as a welcoming city. Um, Boiseans um, are so committed 
to uh, this notion that they are a welcoming city that uh, they just exploded in protest uh, recently when uh, uh, Trump's executive order um, came out to really basically suspending refugee programs. People just like hundreds of people would just show up at the airport. And it was really just an amazing thing. I mean, what's amazing about uh, about this, this this coalition, it was... It was regular people. Scholars did this uh, this poll through the School of Public Service, and what they realized was, I guess, the more familiar people were with refugees, the more they were, you know, accepting of them. And so, places in Idaho where there really were no refugees resettled, um, there were people who were hostile, and they thought that refugees were a burden on the economy and all kinds of stuff, which you would expect. But they, they really, you know, they had no firsthand experience. Um, it was just an abstraction. But like in Twin Falls, which was kind of a small refugee hub in the Magic Valley there, um, and in um, in Boise, which is the most of the population, um, you know, it's there. It's just like people were uh, the refugee population is so diverse. It's from so many different places. It's like people talk about the Syrians. There might be 115 Syrians here in this town, okay? And it's like you wouldn't even recognize them. <laughs> but you know, all of a sudden, all these people started coming in from like Ethiopia and started making, you know, you know, injera bread and all this stuff. And it was just like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And so mo- most Boiseans, uh, you know, have uh, there really hasn't been, um, you know, any problem. And so that's been sort of like this odd thing that uh, I think brings. Boise together because if you're the progressive People's Republic of Boise, um, <laughs> you know, hear me, Mayor Beater, um, or if you're the, um, you know, um, west of Coal Road, you know, um, creeping towards Lavador country, um, <laughs> you know, whatever you are, you know, sort of like it's like people when they see people immediately, then all these stereotypes just wilt, yeah. you know, and people are like, oh, you know, so it's like, you know, you know, you're a Iraqi neighbor. Oh, you mean Joe? Oh, yeah, Joe, you know. <laughs> so um, so that's just the way that um, that this city is and always has been. Back to those factors, the false advertising that you were referring to and that drove the a lot of tens. the top 10 lists. Yeah. So uh, is any of that true? Are there any nuggets in there where, you know, the quality Quality of life is better here, or the cost of living is good here, or is that is that just uh, marketing and people are buying it and, and moving here? Is it you know what what is driving people to move here? If those are all fake, if that's all fake well, news, then uh, what, why are people moving here in droves? Yeah. So if you really want to understand this stuff, uh, my my colleague at the U of I, um, Yap Voss. Mm-hmm. So he's a um, an actual um, planner who plays with these numbers, and he's done this exercise that I just love, where he takes the same top ten list and he then he says, okay, well, actually, you know, what if it was you know Meridian, and the Meridian comes out like scores higher, it depends because Meridian's smaller in mm. population than Boise, mm. so it looks, you know, it's just like these skewed lists. So, um, so the the he he you know, is oftentimes they chart things that. Um, uh, that are just wrong, and the the most hilarious one was uh, just recently last week, I think, where somebody said uh, it was reported in the Idaho Statesman that Boise was the n- number two city in the nation for millennials. Yeah, yeah. I swear, my son fell off his chair. <laughs> you know, just like we know so many people that have left trying to find work, you yeah. know? and then they go, oh, and there was this twenty, right. which is still not bad, you know, but right. still, you know, they forgot to count, you know, but they, you know, they, <laughs> but they they're not comparing apples and oranges because you know they compare cost of living. Like for example, some things are 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 less, but um, it's, they're not necessarily an equivalent. Yeah. For example, um, you can um, you can get educated at Boise State for very very cheap. 
Mm-hmm. But you end up with a degree from Boise State as opposed to a degree from Davis. Okay, and it's not they're not equivalent at all. Okay, so um, there's uh, things like um, you know uh, some things are more expensive, uh, like flying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like an airplane ticket. Okay, yeah. but but the thing is about Boiseans also though is is that Boiseans have a casual style that. Um, that's uh, uh, that's more equitable. Boise has sort of a um, dare I say it almost a, a socialist type of uh, or, prog- or, or or progressive uh, type of, of tradition building with its um, its parks and its planning and its uh, its festivals and its emphasis on public space. And this is something that happened as a response to suburban sprawl. Yeah. Boise has such a bad suburban sprawl. It caught the city so much off guard, really. It just the city didn't have time to catch up with it, and so yeah. it, it, and it sort of like denuded um, the public space. And so, as a reaction to that, and about the I think symbolized by Mayor Beater's administration more than anything else, it would have happened other, otherwise, with or without him probably. But in the early two thousands, about two thousand two or something like that, you saw a real effort in the city to sort of like take back public space. And what they've done with it is just like remarkable. I was. The Esther, you know, Simplot Park, the River Park, and all of this, you know, this, this the New this, Grove Plaza, the New Grove yeah. Plaza, the public yeah. investment, the the um, the the of, so, but still, the city unfortunately is still um, has the troubles that it inherited from Idaho. Yeah. Idaho is the, is the least city friendly state in the nation. Probably, it's the most rule dominated state in terms of its politics mm-hmm. uh, for various different reasons that do gerrymandering and all kinds of reasons, but. Idaho is what we call a Dillon rule state. It's a state where all the authority for a city comes from the state legislature. Mm-hmm. So lots of tools that Salt Lake City would have and other cities had, you know, bonding, uh, uh, sales tax, um, you know, public works of all different kinds that cities routinely have, Boise doesn't have. Yeah. The Boise is the only city I've ever, you know, been in that, 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 that where even the water system is is private. You know, the transportation is largely private. The, the, um, the parks are largely donated. The, um, it doesn't collect trash. I mean, the city of Boise is one of the very few cities in the whole country that can't even put up a stop sign that doesn't even control its roads. <laughs> and so this is, yeah. a, you know, so the so in this kind of climate of this rural dominated anti-urban type of uh, sort of like, I would say, urban problem, rural values type of transition, mm-hmm. uh, the city of Boise then gets clever. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and Boisians get clever, and and this radio station, for example, is an example of that. I mean, it was just something that, you know, it just it was just built through determination and yeah. goodwill for, yeah. for, for people and people's hunger for cultural um, diversity mm-hmm. and uh, um, and to hear different kinds of music and all those kinds of things. So, uh, yeah. this radio station, you know, uh, I mean, if you tried to do this in New York, I don't know what it would cost. <laughs> you know, so yeah. anyway, let's turn towards the environmental trends in the valley, yes, from the urban sprawl issues to the good bones topic. We've had a lot of great successes in open space, you know, the foothills and the green belt and things like that. And right. Cleaning up of the Boise River many years ago when it was a, a dumping ground and things right. things of that nature. To some of the big challenges that we face, you know, in continuing urban sprawl, in our air pollution, we get inversions and we get smoke and those kinds of things. And our, our transportation uh, infrastructure is lacking. And, and in terms of being a city, our density, you know, people are consistently fighting density as a, as a terror thing to come to their neighborhood because some people believe it will create more traffic or what what whatnot so from your perspective actually you know, density creates less traffic right exactly well, you know that okay. we talk about that a lot okay, on the show, so. okay let's not um, get into that <laughs> but we yeah but, boisians are dense enough when it comes to that topic <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, exactly. But you know, from your perspective, um, where have we been, and what are what are those big highlights, and what are those continuing challenges, and, and how are we facing them now uh, from what we've learned in the past from the boom and the bust? Yeah. Well, a lot of the mythology of Boise that gets caught up, you know, uh, uh, in its own in own ideology, uh, it, um, it, it is is that the Boiseans, you know, did all this stuff, you know, themselves or whatever. The federal government was there, and a lot of this stuff was done. This environment, this stuff, the environmental stuff that you like, like foothills conservation, the the river, um, especially the river, and um, and uh, transit. A lot of that stuff, um, you know, like a bus system, <coughs> our, our new bus station downtown, a lot of that stuff was done uh, with the partnership of uh, something like this kind of New Deal, uh, uh, or Great Society Federalism, basically, where uh, the federal government, uh, realizing that it had an enemy in conservative, rule-dominated, Republican, especially, um, legislatures, figured out a way to give block grants directly from Congress to smaller fiefdoms, you yeah, know, right? Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, New York is built like that, right? <laughs> so Boise started to benefit from that too. So a lot of this stuff, like take the, 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 the river that's like Boise's number one environmental treasure. Yeah. Uh, if it hadn't been for the, for the EPA now being dismantled, there'd be no river. I mean, uh, the river was, a, 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 you know, I'm sure you know the story, it was a sewer. Yeah, it was a dumping ground, and then um, it was just like, well, wh- where was the float, and and why wasn't there property developed on along the river? And it was just like, well, because it was a, I mean, it was Boise State, um, where Boise State is now, is literally a dump, you know. Yeah. Whether yeah. the quality of, of uh, is improved or not, uh, I'll, I won't comment. <laughs> but <laughs> it was literally a dump um, and with rats running around it and stuff like that, um, and um, so the. What happened, of course, is you, as you all well know, uh, Boise didn't even have sewage treatment. It would just it had screens that removed the big chunks before they got into the river, mm-hmm. and that's really what the sewage treatment was. And then it didn't have primary, didn't have secondary sewage treatment, and then finally uh, the Clean Water Act of 1972, yeah, and then uh, the Clean Water Act amendments of 1974 really put the pressure on the city of Boise, and the city and the water it started quality started to improve dramatically because they stopped dumping into it, mm-hmm. and now. You know, this thing is a treasure. So then, as the water quality started improving by the 1980s, then you had the, um, you know, the push for the green belt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the uh, the float. The float began. Yeah. And, tubing um, the river. and people going through the river and cleaning it up. I mean, you mm. know, volunteers doing it, but also the Army Corps of Engineers and all those kinds of stuff. So uh, on the urban sprawl issue, are, are we are we moving in the right direction? Are we tackling that issue? Are we are we tackling the the vehicle miles traveled issue and getting better air quality because of that? Or? Oh, absolutely not. No, yeah, everything's yeah, getting yeah, worse. We, we still. Board, well, remember, we're going to try to end on a high note. Oh, okay, we're going to end on a high note. Okay, yes, Pro- everything is fine. Version There's no more the- sprawl in Boise. <laughs> Everybody, uh, people are giving up their SUVs, um, and people don't drive in anymore. And uh, and 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 also in the city of Boise, in the Boise Valley, this is a real good thing. We have great land use planning, whereby um, every time they build a subdivision. They also make space in there for different income levels. Every time they build a subdivision, they make space in there for some retail. This is a cue so for you guys to, to take work. your Prozac if you haven't had it yet today. <laughs> so, all, so it's all good. It's all good, Idaho. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with this population boom that we're seeing now, again, another boom, um, and traffic is continuing. We're building wider roads. Right. We're, we're sprawling. We're 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 
basically subsidizing uh, that that cheap housing that is further right. out from services and all of that. Not That's necessarily true. just in Boise, of course, Meridian and Nampa and Caldwell and CUNA yeah. and all of those. At what point do we reach the political will where citizens want to see a different type of development? $5 a gallon. $5 a gallon, okay. I mean, it's just happening anyway, inevitably. I mean, there's larger forces here. Well, it's been fascinating to talk with you. So, thank you so much. That <laughs> thank, was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, thank you for being here. And Thanks for tuning in to Building a Greener Idaho. Keep the conversation going on social media and at buildingagreeneridaho.org. And join us Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Thanks for listening.